Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tree City Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Baker, here as always with my co-host, Graham Moen. What's going on, guys? Graham is excited today. Why are you excited, Graham? It's draft week. We're recording this on Sunday, April 21st, and on Thursday, uh, the first round starts. Um, Of course, you know, the Browns probably aren't going to be picking in that round, but you know, they might be, and that's why we're here. Yes, after... Months of anticipation. We finally have gotten to Graham's Draft Nerd NFL podcast. It's t- it's a good time for Browns fans because this is another time for the for John Dorsey to flex his muscles and show that the Browns can draft and acquire y- young talent and keep them for a long period of time. John which, Dorsey is the best. That's all there is. We don't have a first-round pick at the moment because of the Odell Beckham trade. So our first-round pick, is, like we said right before we hit play, is Odell Beckham. I think that's okay. I think I give you that grade – that, that pick an A. Yes, and with Odell Beckham comes great um, primetime games, I guess you could say. <laughs> so the Browns schedule release. So before we get to the draft talk, we're going to discuss the schedule briefly. Um, I think trying to read too much into the schedule before the season even starts can be dangerous because there's always teams that are better or worse than expected. I mean, you know, if Ben Roethlisberger gets hurt, then the Steelers are no longer a team to be. Yeah. Bet reckoned with at all. Or if Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt again. Yeah. Or, or just whatever in general. Um, Basically any of these teams that were playing early on that have young quarterbacks. I'm not going to say the Browns have a gauntlet early on, but the first half of the schedule is definitely tougher than most teams would be for the Browns. We're playing on the three different networks. They, the open, first three up, weeks. they, they open up with the Titans, which looks like a gimme game. The Titans were nine and seven last year. Mike so, Rabel's a good coach yeah, too. It's not a giveaway game. No, it'll um, either be Marcus Mariota or Ryan Tannehill starting. Yeah. And that's why the Browns will be favored in week. One. Ryan Mariota. Week two is at the jets. That's kind of a, a redo of the, it's the first, the, the, an, it's yeah. the 50th anniversary of the first uh, Monday night football game, which yep. was, Browns Jets. So and, and, it's, also, and it's the first the first year anniversary of Baker Mayfield starting and tearing it up against the Jets. Yeah. So it'll be kind of cool to watch. That'll be in New York this time instead of in Cleveland. And then of course there will be all that discussion about Baker Mayfield and yeah. Sam Darnold and which quarterback's better and which is the better pick and blah blah. And why blah, can't blah, they just blah. both be good? I know. Well, which they both allowed. which they both are because Sam Darnold was amazing at the end of last year. So I can't wait to see that that game. So those are two. I would say reasonably tough games against average teams, probably average yeah. to below average teams. Mm-hmm. Those are not giveaways, but the Browns could be looking at two on if they play well. Then we got, I'm just going to, I'm just going to read it off Rams at home, who of course were oh. maybe the best team in the NFL they were the last Super season. Bowl last year. Yeah. At the Ravens who are still uh, above still average, good. solid team could be a playoff winner. team. Yep. At the 49ers, who, if Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy, should be a solid team. So they're going to be traveling probably from Baltimore back to Cleveland for a day or two and then flying to San Francisco for the Monday night game. And then at home against Seahawks. So, so they have to fly back from San Francisco on a short week and then prepare for the Seahawks. So in the first six weeks before the Browns' bye week, they play two average teams and you know two teams that are quite good and two teams that are that have the potential above average on good. the road. and. Three of those are primetime games. So it's, you know, we're going to find out pretty early whether the Browns are going to be, you know, kind of living up to the hype coming into the season. But, you know, I if the Browns are going to be a good team, they're going to have to beat good teams. That's how it goes. You know what I mean? I mean, we were playing. And then, then after the bye week, we get the other Super Bowl team, the Super Bowl champs at New England. Yeah, it's not a fun one. Yeah. So it's like the Browns get both of the Super Bowl teams this year, which is kind of fun. Yeah, that's seven weeks in. The Browns will have played... 
what four playoff teams from last year and yeah. and three average teams from last year. I mean, I think it's good from the NFL scheduling perspective, honestly, because like you said, it's like all right, Browns, you have all these expectations. It's time to yep. show what you're made of. Yep. Because um, this stretch is so is so different compared to the later stretch, which we're about to get to, that it'll really set the tone for the Browns. At Broncos Week Nine, the Broncos are not bad, and it's a road game. They played us tough last year, yeah, though, and that was with Case Keenum. Now they have Joe Flacco. So, if the Browns can survive that stretch of eight games, five of which are on the road, three of which are in prime time, four of uh, four of which are against playoff teams from last year, and the rest of those teams are solid, and they're traveling a lot for those too. Yeah. If you think about it, because they travel from from te- from home to tennis or to New York, then Cleveland, back home, New York, Cleveland, Baltimore, San Francisco, back to Cleveland, probably yeah, San Francisco, Francisco home, home, New England, Denver. It's not really an ideal travel schedule. That's a lot of traveling yeah. for I mean, a young team with yeah. trying to get off on the right start. That's, I think that's the biggest, my biggest takeaway from the early part of the schedule is just, they're really putting the Browns through a lot it's of a test gauntlet. Yeah. It's good teams. It's primetime matchups. It's a lot of travel, but if the Browns can get through that stretch at – I think if they're 500. I yeah. Think they'd if be the okay. Browns can be 4-4 four and four after that stretch, I'm just going to read the rest of the season. Bills home, Steelers home, On Dolphins Thursday. home, at Steelers, Bengals home, at Cardinals, Ravens home, at Bengals. And that has to be one of the, if not the, easiest schedule down the stretch for any contending team. I mean, it's just – the Bills are not good. The Steelers are still good, but – are getting older. The Dolphins. the Dolphins are terrible. The Bengals, we saw what, what the Browns did to them last year. The Cardinals are picking number one overall for a reason, and the Ravens are at home. So, I mean, you know, if the Browns can get through that first half of the schedule, you know, in decent condition, they should be able to make an exciting playoff push late. I'd say and try to maybe. And if the Browns are five and three after those first eight games, it's playoff time. Yeah, if it's five and three, they really just need to do the same thing in the next half and go five and three and. 10 and 6 will get them at least a wild card spot. Although in the AFC North, it's going to be difficult, but they get to control their own destiny, which me and Andrew kind of talked about. They play one division game in the first 10 weeks, one, and then they play five in the last seven. The only two they don't are the Bills and the Dolphins. Every other game, or no, is the Dolphins and the Cardinals because they go to week 10 against the Bills. Yeah. It's Steelers, Dolphins, at Steelers, Bengals, at Cardinals, Ravens, at Bengals. Yeah. And once again, this is. If you're going to win the division, you got to beat your division teams. Go get it. You so know, they're going to play them all at the end. They're yeah. going to be like, okay, well, it's time to just go on a roll at the end. So they should be peaking by week 12. That, I will say. Or that, st- that first Steelers game, they need to be ready to go because that's going to be the yeah. stretch run of the season. The last four weeks, I mean, home against Bengals, they have at one Cardinals, tough game. home against Ravens, at Bengals. They have one tough game. If the, if the Ravens are their playoff competition, that's going to be – an opportunity, really. If the Bengals and the Cardinals are what we think they're going to be, then, yeah, the Ravens are going to be that toughest game, and that could be for the division at that point, really. Right now – That game could get flexed. Right now, if you're picking the AFC North, what kind of what kind of odds or chances do you put on Steelers, Browns, and Ravens? Because I think, I think they're all pretty close together. I think in if terms we go of, percent, it's really close. I think it's probably I'd – I'd say the – I would still say the Ravens are a slight favorite at, like, 40%. And then the Browns are at like 35%. And then the Steelers are the third team at like 25%. And we don't need to talk about the Bengals. Yeah. Yeah. They, I think I think the Browns, Ravens, and Steelers are all pretty close at this point. 
And of course, I think the Browns are the team of those three that's getting better. Long-term. They have the highest ceiling of the three yeah. teams. I think the Ravens are the safest team just because they're going to be able to run the ball really well. And they probably, lost a lot of people on defense, but they also, but they su- supplemented that by getting high end talent at some of those positions, like Earl Thomas. True. And let's be honest, paying not paying CJ Mosley eighteen million dollars a year is good for them. Yeah, but not having CJ Mosley is bad for them. Yeah. So it's going to be a, the Browns are going to be in for a dogfight the last half of the year because the division is going to be tough this year. There is three teams legitimately that can win the AFC North. Yeah, so. if the Browns can stay within striking distance of the Steelers and Ravens first half of the season, they've got their opportunity in the second half. And if the Browns can stay healthy as well, you could definitely see a scenario week sixteen where it's whoever wins that game has the upper hand in the division against the Ravens. And yeah. That, that could be a sun, the Sunday night game. Yeah. That could easily get flexed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so for now the Browns have four, what a Monday night game, two Monday night games, a Sunday night game and a Thursday night game. And they could and have everything else sun- is at one or four. And then they could have a Sunday night game. Yeah. That Bengals game may get in flex. I'll tell you that. I'm glad of this schedule. Cause the early, cause there was an early leak of a schedule that had them playing on Thanksgiving. And I was like, Oh God, I don't want to watch the Browns on Thanksgiving. Yes, it turns out, it turns out random Twitter leaks are not always accurate. Yeah. So the time has come, Graham, you get to nerd out for like 20 to 30 minutes about the draft. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to do anything resembling a full mock draft because quite frankly, I hate them and I think they're stupid and a waste of time. <laughs> Because A, we have no idea who's going to be available at what positions. Sure. B, teams move up and down the draft constantly. And C, we have no idea how these teams evaluate players. So I just sure. think mock drafts are stupid and terrible and I hate them. But <laughs> there's still space to talk a lot about the draft. So we've been over our needs a thousand times. We'll just reiterate them here one more time. The Browns could use possibly a backup quarterback. They could use some defensive line depth, especially especially interior defensive line. Um, they definitely could use a starting outside linebacker or at least a guy who can play out there, whether he's a rotation guy or a starter. And the Browns could use depth at safety and a cornerback. I think the biggest needs are cornerback and offensive or offensive linebacker, outside yeah, linebacker, offensive linebacker. De- defense, I think, will be the priority in this draft in general. I would think so, except for I think there will be a couple of skill position players taken in the mid rounds. There always are with John Dorsey. He always yeah. drafts at least one upside guy. In the middle rounds. And honestly, and I'm, I'll, we'll get into it later, but depending on who falls, it could be if a good enough player falls, John Dorsey might be willing to load up in one position, even if it is on offense, if it's the best player available, because that's kind of how his strategy is. He doesn't reach for need based players. He goes best player available a lot of the time. If it happens to be a position of need, good, but he just tries to build the most talented team possible and he'll supplement it however else he needs to. John Dorsey believes in his scouting and his staff scouting. And it's does, so nice having a former and, scout as your GM. Yeah, he does what he has. To, you mean not like a lawyer or whatever? It's just someone that like has been in the Sashi Brown. Someone that has been out there and knows what these his scouts are doing. And along with Elliot Wolf and Alonzo Highsmith, who deal with all of that stuff while John Dorsey's running the team during the season. The Browns well, are in it, such a good position to know all they need to know about these players and be in a position where they can just pick the best player available, and it's not going to create bad issues where before you, the Browns had to draft for need last year. It was no question. The Browns were taking a quarterback at one and that we needed a bet, a really good defensive player at four. Yeah. Once Barkley was gone, had well, Barkley, and, that would have been a different story, but. And plus, you know, we've discussed this before, but having this front office that kind of has worked together before has similar mindsets 
can pool all their information together in ways that make sense, as opposed to having these front offices the Browns have had before, where it's just, you know, who knows who has what influence or what's really going on. I mean, they're built in the Green Bay model. I mean, all three of these guys are Green Bay disciples. The Browns are building a team based on the draft, and that's, and despite the fact we don't have a first-round pick, they have to be able to hit on these things. There will be trades, so I think we can look at the Browns' draft picks. They have pre-draft more as kind of what type of ammunition they have, not necessarily saying they're going to pick right here. And we know Dorsey loves trades. Exactly. The Browns have the 17th pick in the second round. Yeah, pick 49. Yeah, and they have their own third rounder. Their Which own, is pick 80. Their own, their own fourth. They have, or is it the Dolphins' fourth? It's, uh, no, it's our fourth. Okay, whatever it is, the Browns have their own second and third rounders. They have a fourth rounder. Three fifth rounders, a sixth, and a seventh. So day three is really going to be where you're going to see the Browns doing a lot of movement. Or they even could use a couple of those fifths with a fourth if they don't want to pick in the fourth to move back into the end of day two. Yeah. For the third round. If there's someone that they don't want to make it to day three because they know he's not going to be there, they'll, they I could see John Dorsey moving a couple of those fifths and like a later next year's fourth or something. Because the Browns have future picks next and coming up. So he's been building up assets to do this kind of thing. Yeah, and this is this is what John Dorsey does. Is he uh, acquires? I mean, he got the seventh round pick for Cody Kessler, and a seventh round pick might not be exciting, but it's you Cody shouldn't have Kessler. gotten anything for yeah. Cody Kessler. And, I would have driven you know, him to the bus station. He's really gotten value out of trading players and getting picks. And I would be shocked if he actually uses how many picks is that? I think it's ten. It's. Yeah, it's, the Browns. I think will pick. It's th- eight picks. I would be really surprised if the Browns actually used eight picks. If I set the set the over under at six and a half, would you take the over or the under? I think six or seven is probably about the right number. Yeah, yeah, I'd say probably six. I think he's gonna. I think what's gonna happen is he's gonna do a lot of maneuvering to get the best players he feels are there. Well, and the Browns are no longer in a position where they pretty much have needs across the roster and can just take as many players as possible. And they're all going to make the roster happens when I mean, two drafts you hit on miles, you hit on pass rusher, quarterback, cornerback, plus along with fact with middle linebacker, you hit on a lot of those things. So now the Browns really don't need any essential positions. Well, in previous years, the Browns could draft or they have good enough seven to 10 players and, Almost all of them would make the roster. Remember because, that one year all 14 made the team? Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> that doesn't really happen in the NFL. <laughs> the first Sashi Brown draft. But that just shows the Browns had no talent. Little known fact for everybody. The first Sashi Brown draft, he had 14 picks, and all 14 made the team. <laughs> and I think there's, what, one left? Yeah, I think it's Schobert. Yeah. Props, so, out, props to Schobert. Let's go. The point is, the Browns don't have their first-round pick. They have a couple extra fifths, and... If John Dorsey is at a spot where he thinks that a player he really likes is worth trading up for, he's going to do that. Or if he's drafting a spot, he doesn't think there's a guy he loves as a value or he'll there. he'll trade down. He'll trade down. That's what John Dorsey does. So in terms of discussing actual players, I'm going to let Graham do most of that because I'm not really a big draft guy. So Graham will be our resource, and we will get to the NFL draft in just one moment. So to discuss the NFL draft. We said before the Browns don't have a first-round pick, but that does not necessarily preclude them from making a pick in the first round. Right. I would probably be surprised if Dorsey included a future first or second-round pick. I think that'd be a bad idea because that's just not how Dorsey operates in terms of giving up future assets. He, would, If anything, he would rather get future assets in terms of trading down. I'd, I agree, tra- but he's also kind of pushing his chip to the middle this offseason. So. Yeah, I mean, he did trade up for Patrick Mahomes, and uh, but yeah. he didn't trade a first-round pick 
And did he trade up a fir- for a first round pick? For well, him? either way, it's a quarterback and it's different. Yeah. So I'm, that's exactly right. And that's my point exactly. Like he traded up for a quarterback. I don't know if he'll trade up for those type of things in the first round. Right, right now, like you said, he kind of has put all his chips in the table, but he also needs depth because the Browns have some depth at some positions, but at others, they're very thin. And especially in defense, right. they're, they have good talent at the starting positions, but they lost a lot of depth both in the offseason and just by tra- trading Jerome Peppers did create a pretty decent sized hole. Yeah. Now we signed Eric Murray for depth and then we signed Morgan Burnett to be the s- starter for this year. So we have that, but we still need secondary help. And then corner after our f- top three, we don't really have anything. I would be shocked, like shocked, floored if the Browns got into the top 20 in the first round because it would take so much to get it there. It would take a future first, a future, <clears throat> and probably yeah. a future second. The Browns. It's not worth The Browns that. second and third round draft picks by draft value are roughly equivalent of a mid-20s first round pick. And I think that could be a possibility. I think there's a couple teams that the Browns could trade in the first round for. So let's first outline where the Browns could get. What are who are some teams you think the Browns could trade up to? Well, my one of my one of the other teams I like to follow a lot, Seattle. They pick twenty first this in this year's draft, but they only have four picks. They they tend to not do great when it comes to draft asset and draft accumulation. I mean, and last year they did draft Rashad Penny in the first round, so they could use some extra picks because they are short on depth at positions. So uh, I could see a position where they could take the Browns' second and third round pick this year and go up. T- and if John Dorsey's really moving his chips, go up to 21 and just be like, all right, that's our pick for day one and two. We're not making any other picks. And then we co- and then Philadelphia at 25. And along with the Patriots, finally, at the end, because, you know, they never really stay. Yeah, I think anyone, you know, is could be a, a trade partner if the price is right. But I think those are definitely teams that may be looking to trade down. Yeah. So give me some targets that you think if the Browns trade into the first round could be options as guys that Dorsey would want to trade up for. I'll say Jeffrey Simmons is one. Yeah. So in general, my players, it's only a defensive lineman I would trade up for. And then there's the Iowa tight ends, which I'll get to. The Jeffrey Simmons you just mentioned, he is a top 10 player based on talent, but he had the issue before when he was in high school where he – was breaking up a fight and he punched a woman and he by all means has been a model citizen since he's been at Mississippi state. He's really good in pass rushing from the interior. He's good at holding his anchor in the run game. He's a top 10 talent. And there's a lot of people saying that the Colts might pick him at 26 because Chris Ballard's also Why is he not going top 10. Cause he also has a torn ACL as well, along with the off field issue. So, and he's a guy that John Dorsey, has pretty much publicly said that he absolutely loves. And he brought him in for a visit. Cause mm-hmm. and and the Browns are picking at 49. He's not going to be there at 49. Cause like I said, the Colts under Chris Ballard, who's a former Kansas City person who was under John Dorsey, he has similar thoughts when it comes to those things because he learned from John Dorsey. So he might be willing to take a risk on Jeffrey Simmons or other team, like maybe even, even the Eagles, just the rich get richer. They load up on Jeffrey Simmons and hit, put him and Fletcher Cotts next to each other when they're healthy. Like that would be terrifying. So the Browns have – Jeffrey Simmons is definitely one of them. Then there's Chase Winovich, who's been a late riser in the process from Michigan. He's 6'3", 255, but he – and he's been labeled as like a blue-collar pass rushing guy because he's basically – he has long hair and he's white. So he just nice. gets that label as like a hardworking blue-collar pass rusher. But he, uh, 
he ran a four five nine forty time, which is in the ninety fourth percentile for defensive linemen, and his short shuttle time and his three cone, which show agility and explosiveness, were in the ninety fifth percentile. So this dude can move. He had a lot of tackles for loss at Michigan. He had like forty some career tackles for loss, and he was probably better than Rayshon Gary, who's being projected to go in the top fifteen. And so that's not necessarily a position of need, but you think if Dorsey absolutely loves his scouting on that guy, yeah. he could be an impact player. Because, I mean, he could be a good pass rusher, and if we move on from Olivier Vernon, he's that young pass rusher that we could then use the money we're not paying Olivier Vernon to allocate towards other resources. Because we're paying him $17.5 million, and it is kind of only a two-year deal left. And so we could use another pass rusher to both add depth and then maybe take over eventually. Because you have to think about that every time now. It's drafting those players to eventually replace the players that you've paid a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. That, you know, the Browns, I think drafting a, a, an immediate position of need is probably more ideal considering the fact the Browns are trying to win now. But like you said, when the Browns start having to pay these guys. This is what all the best teams do. The though. Browns are going to lose players at some point. They're not going to be able to pay all of them. And what you're supposed to do or what you should do if you're a good team is have the replacement ready. Yeah. You shouldn't you shouldn't lose a guy and then desperately try and find one in the draft. You should always you should be drafting to, a year early rather yeah. than a year late. Right. That's why Bill Belichick succeeds because he sees things happen earlier than they than anticipated. He'll cut the cord and he'll get another player that can perform in his system. That's who, what the who are some other guys you could see the Browns trading up for? And then the last guy I said would be Christian Wilkins, just because I love the character he brings. And he's also just a really good pass rusher. He's a defensive tackle from Clemson. He was kind of the one of the forgotten one out of the big three of those. Cause there was Cleveland Farrell, the defensive end. Then there's Dexter Lawrence, the big man. And then there was Cle- And then there was a uh, Christian Wilkins who's been there for four years, was the captain, great character guy, but a really good pass rusher too in the inside. And he could eventually take over for Sheldon Richardson. Kind of a pocket pusher. Yeah. And he could eventually take over for Sheldon Richardson, which again, that's another long-term thing. But this, at the same time, the Browns do need, another defensive tackle and they want to be able to rotate them constantly. Cause if you can play Larry Okunjobi and Sheldon Richardson, 50, 60% of snaps. Yeah. That's perfect. Yep. So get another last year played way too many snaps, get a high impact guy at defensive tackle that can come in. It's not going to be a problem in the locker room and actually become a leader in your locker room. And you get him at, in the late first round. Be awesome. So you don't see any cornerbacks, or outside linebackers the Browns could trade up for? I don't like Greedy Williams from LSU. He's he's physical in man coverage, but he doesn't tackle like at all. Like He chooses to not tackle. And I, as a, if you're going to be a corner, you better learn to tackle. I'm looking at you, Denzel Ward. <laughs> better be practicing your tackle in this offseason. Yeah. No, you – and so – and then I don't really like DeAndre Baker from Georgia. He's he's smaller, and he's – the Browns are playing a scheme next year with Steve Wilkes. It's going to be more zone-based, and he doesn't really fit that. He's not that fast. Really, the only other position that I would look at besides defensive line is the Iowa tight ends if they happen to fall. Because these guys are elite talents that no matter which one would fall would be immediate helps to the Browns and would give them such a huge boost on offense. And this would be kind of a luxury pick, but if they fall to the late 20s, I feel like John Dorsey almost has to think about it. And who are these guys again? So the first one I'll bring up is TJ Hawkinson. He's literally like if you wanted to make a tight end and create a player in Madden, he's what you'd make because he's a really good blocker in line. He can play next to offensive linemen and he can block his butt off in the run game, which would be great for the Browns with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt when he comes back. Then along with that, he's also a good pass catcher. He's not going to run downfield and catch like 40-yard bombs, but he'll get you that 
10 to 20 yard range and he'll get you underneath and he's got solid hands and he's just tough, bro. So he's kind of not to evoke the name of maybe the one of the best tens in NFL history, but he's kind of in the Gronk mold. People have compared him to like a baby Gronk because he is like the same. He is a similar size to him. Um, He's six, five two forty, and he was a redshirt sophomore this year. He actually left early. He wasn't supposed, he was supposed to come back for another year, but he performed so well and actually outshined the other tight end, uh, Noah Fant also from Iowa. But uh, TJ Hawkinson, I think, is a complete tight end. So if you're the Browns and you like... Where do you think he's going to go in the draft? I think he'll probably go in the top 15. So you're saying saying he's so good that if he falls, even though he's not a position of need. If he's not a position of need, he's the best player on the board. And the Browns have to keep going for best, best players on the board. Because also, tight end for the Browns could also become a need eventually. If the Browns... If, like you said, the Browns can't pay players and you can... And you have can't pay David Njoku. You have these guys, one of these guys. So TJ Hawkinson, more complete player. Noah Fant is more in the uh, like Jimmy Graham mold. He's so more of the he's uh, like Njoku almost. Yeah. If you, what's more scarier than one David Njoku? <clears throat> Having two David Njokus on the field. Two David Njokus that progress another year and are better. Just and he's more. I think he's more ready to contribute right away than Njoku was. He ran a lot of different routes at Iowa because you know Iowa's. Always. Njoku was kind of a reach in the first round. He was, but he was he was more on traits and more on athleticism. And he's mm-hmm. shown to this point that he's developed well with coaching. His progress has been slow, but it's there. But Noah Fant could come in probably right away and catch 60 passes in a season for a team. He's really good. So if the Browns are drafting one of those guys, they're basically saying, screw it, let's go for it. Let's, yeah. give, let's give Baker Mayfield an absolutely you know unbelievable. That would be to have yeah. Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, and then one of these rookie tight ends with Njoku. They could run those two tight end sets and just... It's almost like you're playing fantasy football at that point. Yeah, it's just like you would have no chance. I don't know if the Browns would be willing to move most of their, you know, it'd be their second and third round pick and probably one more pick to move up there. Yeah. And that would be... I'm just saying if I was them and and one of those guys is there at like 25 or 26 or for some reason the Raiders don't take them with their one of their two first rounders or or late uh, three three first round picks... You have to call one of those teams. Like that, the Chargers that, that would really be, like, be skewing your needs. But at a certain point, if you have Baker Mayfield and you surround him with enough great weapons, the defense won't matter as much. And a plethora of weapons. That way, if one player goes down, you're not losing an entire offense. Like if Odell Beckham goes down, you still have TJ Hawkinson and Njoku and Jarvis Landry. All right. So those are some targets. I, I think ideally, if the Browns trade up, it's for – a cornerback, but if there's not really any cornerbacks that, that you like or they like, then that doesn't make sense. And I, I would not put it past John Dorsey to trade up for a, a not, not necessarily a biggest position of need if he really loves a player. I would rather draft a corner in round two, yeah. just because I think the. But if you trade up, you're not going to have your second round pick, right? So. so that's what I'm saying. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna trade up, I want it to be at an impact position, and I feel like for the Browns, having a lot of good pass rushers or a lot of good pass catchers is good. Just having a surplus of them, one of those things is going to create a huge problem. You look at the best teams in the league, they have a surplus of one of those positions. Who are some guys in the second round that you like for the Browns? Either, you know, guys that you think will be there at 49 or guys that you would trade up for. And just kind of tell me about the player, about the fit, and if you think they'd be there at 49 or if they'd be Well, you want to up. talk about secondary, so let's do secondary first. Yeah. So um, we'll do the corners that I – a couple corners that I have are one is Julian Love from Notre Dame and one is Justin Lane from Michigan State. Justin Lane was a converted wide receiver into cornerback from Michigan State. He's from the Cleveland area. 
He grew up a Browns fan. He actually said it would be a dream for him to be drafted by the Browns. And he's been a late riser, but he's super athletic. He's super has super good instincts for the ball because he was a wide receiver. So he has good hands and he's a willing tackler and he's a little bit more raw just because he hasn't played the position as long. But the, the Browns are in a position where they can draft a more raw cornerback. At pick 49. If he's the a, Browns have three starters yeah, right now. At pick 40. If, he, if you pick him at 49 and if you're the Browns, you're happy with that because or if you have to trade up slightly for him into like the late 30s, early 40s for him, he's a cornerback that you could eventually see being that cornerback two opposite Denzel Ward. When, ten, when Terrence Mitchell and uh, TJ Carey no longer are here. So, and also it gives you f- in a fourth corner that could be a starter in a pinch. So if you, there's Justin Lane, there's Julian Love from Notre Dame, who's more physical. He's a little bit smaller, but he's really uh, just really instinctive and just really, just really good leader too. And he can play in the slot, which would be really helpful because TJ Carey can play outside if need be, especially on bigger guys. So that would be helpful to have someone that could also play in the slot. He's a little bit smaller. He's like in the 5'10", 5'11 range, but he'd be, and he's, but he's a good tackler as well. So I think those two would be good corners. And then if you're talking about safety. There's so many corners in this draft. There's a lot of corners. So I think it's nice to have you just highlight a couple guys you like because there's so many, and the Browns have kind of a clear need at cornerback. Yeah. I, I just think parsing through all the options can be difficult for someone who's not super into the draft. Yeah. And they have a lot, and there's a lot of corners rounds two through four that could be contributors and given the right time could eventually become starters in the league. But then if you're looking for safety, there's Jonathan Abram from Mississippi state who I've highlighted a couple of times. It's just a part of my language. He's a, he's a mean motherfucker. Like he got ejected from a couple of games from hitting people too hard. I mean, I don't, I think it was just football, but he's just very, he's got a nasty attitude. He's a downhill tackler. He would, he wouldn't, he doesn't miss that many tackles. And you sounds know, he like he's bring, your version of Jabril Peppers. He would just bring a lot of physical. I don't know how good he is as a, in coverage. And Jabril Peppers really improved in that area his this last year. So maybe he could as well. But him ro- roaming in the box would be terrifying for a team because he would, if you run over the middle as a running back, you know he's going to clock you. And the Browns have Morgan Burnett, but he's a stopgap option at strong. Yeah. Safety. And Jonathan Abram or um, Taylor Rapp from Washington could be long term options. And they could draft and then just play as a third safety. Are either of those guys kind of slot type of coverage right now? Uh, or mostly in the box? Mo- mostly in the box, but they could both guard. But Rap can guard tight ends and running backs pretty well. Abrams is a, can coverage. Coverage is a, not as good as Raps. He can do it a little bit, but Raps the better coverage guy. He's a little bit more in the Drill Peppers mold, but he's a more sure tackler than Drill Peppers was because that was always a problem for with, for with Browns fans with him is that he missed a lot of tackles, especially last year. Not that, or his first year in the league. And then this past year, he was before the uh, incident, like the early in the season, he wasn't doing well. And then he started playing a lot better with his tackles. But uh, Rap's a really good tackler. He's good in space. His 40 time wasn't good, which is why he's getting pushed down boards. But I could definitely see him at pick 49 being a really good value. Anyone else you like in the second round? And then there's just a couple defensive linemen. If Jerry Tillery from Notre Dame's there in the early second round, I think the Browns should move up and get him if that's like a second and a fourth or second and two of our fifths or a next year's fourth, do it somehow. But he's a really good pass rusher. He's really good inside. He can play a three tech. He can play a one, which is just like playing closer, which is like occupy more blockers. If you're playing a one technique, you're kind of eating blockers, which is if you're three technique, you're rushing the passer. And Sheldon Richardson and Ogan Joby are both more, both more of a three technique. Well, they can do both. They can kind of interchange. Yeah. They're both one three. So you want another person that can do both. And versatility on a defensive line is so important because you want to just put your athletes in the best position to go after the quarterback. So you definitely would want to go after uh, someone like 
a Jer- uh, Jerry Tillery or Dexter Lawrence from Clemson, who is super athletic at six foot one, three forty. <laughs> you could even ask him to lose probably ten pounds, and he'd still have a lot even more explosiveness and still be able to plug up a lot of gaps. He'd be really good as your third guy and someone that can play first and second downs. I don't think he's a pass rusher though. Jerry Tillery has more of an upside. I wouldn't trade up for Dexter Lawrence, but I would trade up for Jerry Tillery. So your thinking is if the Browns stay pat or move up a small amount, it's probably because they like the secondary depth and there's a guy that's going to be there. There's a specific player that they like. If they trade up, there's a better chance that it's going to be for an impact position that may not be as big of a position of need. Yeah. I think they want an impact. I think if you're going to trade up, cause in this year's draft, it's going to be a lot of defensive linemen. There's a lot of good defensive linemen and especially with first and second round grades. So you want to get those guys. And it, it's just that kind of year that you stock up on it. Or if you're going to stock up on corners, like I said, this is a good second round through fourth round year for corners. I think it's really good for the Browns that there's so much depth at cornerback and defensive line and safety because those are the positions of need for the Browns. I mean, geez, even if the Brown, if a wide receiver falls to the Browns, that's really good. You almost yeah. like Debo Samuel. Like, oh, uh, you'll have your chance to talk about Debo. Don't worry. Debo. Um, are there any, or if an offensive lineman falls to them, like Dalton Risner? Well, that's the thing too. Is the Browns? You know, whatever you think of Greg Robinson, he may or may not be left tackle of the future, depending on how good a season he has this year. I think right tackle is a position the Browns will likely need to address. I mean, we all know Chris Hubbard wasn't that good last year. And the Browns have good depth in the line, so I think yeah. they can try different guys out. But I mean, if there's a guy that if there's a guy at 49 that John Dorsey sees as a really, really good right tackle, then I'm not going to have a problem with the pick. Yeah, I mean, do you believe in Kendall Lamb as there's, the there's right not, tackle? There's not a lot of depth, offensive tackle depth in this draft, right? Uh, well, there's some of the first and second round grades, and then there's a lot more. And then after that, like the first five or six, it's a little bit of a drop-off. So you have to get the offensive linemen probably. There's people that are more versatile, people that can play like right tackle, guard, center. There's not really a true left tackle in this draft except for Andre Dillard from Washington State, and he's a terrible run blocker. So if you're the Browns, you do not touch him with a 10 Well. Ball. I think if you look at the Browns offseason so far, look at the positions that John Dorsey has addressed the depth of. It's mostly offensively. Yeah. The Browns offensive line, John Dorsey made several yeah, de- de- depth a- acquisitions. Kendall Lamb, Kendall Eric Cush. There's one more who I'm forgetting. But the Browns have good depth on the offensive line. I think part of that is because he looked at this draft and saw that there weren't a lot of guides available for him. And I think John Dorsey is brilliant at using the draft to build depth. And I, I think – Looking at, you know, the Browns only not having a first round pick, I would be very surprised if the majority of their second, third, fourth round picks aren't used on defensive depth because that's just the positions of need right now, and that's also the positions of need of depth in the draft. And I don't think that's a coincidence. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I mean defense is definitely more of a priority, but it's it just for me personally, when it comes to the draft, it really just depends on value, and yeah. you can't pass on value unless it's. Unless you have such, if you have grades that are close on a player, on players, and then one is a position of need and it's really close, then you can outweigh it. But if it's a clear cut, this player is that much better than the other player, and even though that player is position of need, we can't pass on this player. You have to do it. It's just, it's just that's just bad drafting if you don't do that. The number one position, in my opinion, the Browns need a starter at still would be outside linebacker. Yeah, because Jared Avery is not a linebacker. Do you see any? Really good options 
for a starter at outside linebacker year one for the Browns right now? I mean, you've like, you were talking about this guy, Jermaine Pratt from NC state. There's Blake Cashman from uh, Minnesota. I'm not talking about the main guys like Devin Bush and Devin white, just because the Browns gonna, can't get there. We're not going to get that far. And I wouldn't want us to mortgage our draft for that. And Mac Wilson maybe could be there, but he's had a little bit of problems with coverage and he could, he's athletic enough and he could do that. But I don't know if you'd want to spend a second round pick on him. Jermaine Pratt and Blake Cashman, you probably get in the third or fourth round, probably third round for both of them. For them, it's really just athletic testing that holds them back, but they're good players and they could probably play in coverage and tackle. For so us, you think for outside need. linebacker in the second round, there aren't many options. You think probably a third rounder that could compete yeah, maybe? Because there's only one linebacker to me, and that's Mac Wilson that even has a second round caliber grade. Because after that, it's and after the Devons, it's really just kind of a crapshoot. So, lastly, here's your chance, Graham. We're going to have a little segment called Graham's Guys. Graham, just spend five or ten minutes. Tell me the guys in this draft, regardless of you know position or regardless of even whether you like them for the Browns, because that's not the point of this segment. Just give me the guys that you love in this draft. That If you were drafting – you would draft them. You'd find a way to get them. You love the value. These are yeah. just the guys you love, regardless of what team, what position. Well, my favorite player in the draft is definitely Debo Samuel from uh, South Carolina. He's 5'11". He's like 215. And he's just a tough route running guy that is able to get out in space. He's really athletic. He has really good vertical. He can high point the ball really well, so he can jump up and make catches, despite being 5'11". He is what I think Browns fans wished Corey Coleman was going to be. Oh, Corey Coleman was so bad. But when you when he got drafted, you're like, this dude is 5'10", like 215. He's he's big. He's he's big for his size. He's physical. He can catch, make he can get yards after the catch. He can get downfield because of his speed. It's all of that stuff with Debo. But he has such a sure route runner. He has good hands. He breaks tackles constantly. And honestly, I think he's a better. He's just a he's an upgrade over Antonio Callaway. I think if he if for some if the Browns pulled off a shock and drafted Debo Samuel, they could they could trade Antonio Callaway because I think he brings a the same similar skill set but a higher end version of the skill set. He's really good in the short area. He's really big. He's physical and he can catch anything. Where do you think he's going to go and what what kind of draft grade do you have? On I'd him? say early to mid second round, and I probably have like a late first round grade on him just because he is a little bit smaller. He has injury issues and he's never had crazy production part of that was his quarterback part of that's also just you just love the competitiveness i love it and i just love the type of player he is i think he fits i think his he's a really good number two and wide receiver in the next at the next level so graham's number one guy tebow samuel and then another guy who i think the browns actually would love is kelvin Harmon. he doesn't run very fast he runs like a four six forty but he's a great smooth route runner from nc state he has good hands yeah wide receiver he has good hands He's able to get enough separation with his agility to make catches. He's able to get downfield a decent amount. But if you put him in the Browns offense, which last year was a lot of quick hitting West Coast based offense, and then Todd Munkin's influence will probably add to that as well. That could be really helpful for the Browns having another guy like that. If for some reason you just decide, you know what, Hollywood Higgins, we want to get a younger guy in here to work with Baker. We'll see you later. Draft Calvin Harmon in the second round or trade up. Or if he, for some reason, he drops to the end of the second round, trade up from the third round to get him, he'd be a good fit. I think he's 6'2", 215, so he has some size to him too. So he'd be a nice fit for the Browns as well. But he, the Browns won't. T- the Browns aren't going to take a wide receiver. I just like these guys. 
And then I also like Kalen Saunders, who actually could be a Browns pick at, uh, I think in the second, I think even in the second round, he could be worth it. For Harmon, where do you think he's going to go and what, what grade do you have? I'd say I have a, like an early second round grade on him and he's probably going to go mid to late second round just because his speed's not that great and he doesn't really do anything elite, but he's good at everything. So he'll be a good number two at the next level. There's no number one. The only num- wide receiver in this draft that I think can be a true number one, like a Julio Jones, a AJ Green is DK Metcalf. Who is a terrifying human being. And he's, he's a nice guy. He's just terrifying. And, but I wouldn't want to take a risk on that if I was a team like the Browns. They have no reason to. And he, that he's a major risk. He could be Josh Gordon in terms of uh, talent, but he could also just – his body might just rip because of his, all of his muscles. Right. Like, can he even put on a seatbelt? Who's next? He's just like <laughs> uh, Kalen Saunders, like I said, second or third round. I have a second round grade Position? on him, defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. Second round – like mid, late second round grade. He'll probably go third round because he's a small school guy. Uh, really good, really good penetrator at the point of attack, really good pass rusher. He'd be a really good rotation guy that could eventually start. Kind of reminds me of Larry Okajobi actually, just cause he's from a smaller school and people aren't going to pick up on him. He's from like Western Illinois, but he's the guy that did backflips and the guy that had a baby midweek and all that. He's stuff. doing backflips at, how, at what size? Uh, he's like six one, three Oh five, three ten. He's, he's a mount monster of a man, but I weigh half I w- that, almost half that much. And I can't do that. I would love to have him on the team and just be able to have him behind Sheldon Richardson and Larry Okunjobi. Cause he'd be, again, he'd be another defensive lineman. That so you think he's help. probably a third rounder. You have a second round grade on. Yeah. I'm high on, I'm really high on him. I would take him in the second round if I was the Browns. I don't think other people would, but I, I would then an offensive player. I have two, I have three more justice Hill. No, just real quick on running back. He's really explosive, really elusive in the open field. He's a smaller guy. He's a little bit undersized, like 5'10", 190. But uh, he could be a good change of pace back in the next level. And he could be a – he can catch pass catch a little bit. But he's a good running back. I think he could be a good backup for Nick Chubb if need be. And he can handle the workload. He did. He carried the ball a lot for Oklahoma State. And where do you think he'll go and what's your grade? He'd probably go in the fourth round, and that's where I have him. He's he's not an elite guy, but he could be a good guy in a in a committee, which for running back is all you're asking for. Then there's Rocky Sin, which we both like as a corner. I have him in probably the late first round. I don't know if that's a first round grade necessarily, because I probably only have like 20 guys in the first round grades. He's probably like an early second round grade, but he has really physical. He was a former wrestler, so he's really good at just like being physical with people and getting it there at the point of attack. And he could be a good uh, heir apparent to Terrence Mitchell and be that second corner. And he's also just really tough. Went to temple. He went, he was, a he transferred to temple and started there eventually after becoming a walk on and like really fought his way there. And he's talented too. Do you think there's any chance he's there at 49? Yeah, I think so. If, um, if teams are afraid that he just, that he isn't going to be able to hang with people at the next level. Cause he is a little bit slower mm. and, but he is more physical. He is a more physical corner. Both a name like rock doesn't surprise me. He's yeah. slow and physical. And the last guy is another defensive lineman. His name is Zach Allen from Boston college. He's just really versatile. He could play a def- big, def- like a, as a big defensive end and like really hold the point of attack. But then also he could slide inside and pass rushing downs. And if you want to move Garrett, miles Garrett in there with him or something, just have those two just bull rush towards the pass rusher. He's really good at that. He's just, he's not going to ever be an elite pass rusher, but he's a good secondary pass rusher that if you drafted him in the third round and I, he's probably a late second round grade for me, but if you draft, if you got him in the third round, if you're the Browns, you'd be really happy. 
Anyone else that you really love in this draft, regardless of what team? Um, no, I think those are my big guys because I think when I, the more I've been looking at it, I really like the wide receivers this year. The defensive linemen are interesting, and then there are some really good running backs out there as well. If you're looking for a good committee running back this year, this is a good year for it. Which is the Browns' need. Yeah. Especially the trade Duke Johnson, who, by the way, John Dorsey says is an essential part of the offense. You for mean, now. Yeah, you mean you're not going to say that you don't like a guy anymore? He, it's just, you know. Yeah. you got to play up value, right? All right, well, that has been the Tree City Sports NFL Draft Preview. We did not do a mock draft, thank God, but Graham still got to talk about all the players he likes, which is good. We'll see where what happens with the draft. We'll definitely be podcasting shortly after the draft just to kind of assess where Graham's guys went, look at the Browns' needs, look at how everything went, and assess the roster going forward. We still plan to have a Cavs podcast at some point, probably pre-lottery, because the lottery is, let's face it, going to be the b- biggest day of the season for the yeah. Cavs. And that's how things go. So, check for a red and blue podcast this week. Graham and Olam's Manchester teams both did poorly in the Champions League. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. But I have to. And you will get an episode probably tomorrow, actually. If you like hearing Graham and Olam be sad and or angry, this is going to be, be the both. podcast for you. It's going to be both. Well, we appreciate you guys for listening As always, we hope you are stocked up on NFL draft information, and we will see what the Browns do. All right. Thank you very much for listening. Check us out on Twitter at abaker underscore sports and at GT Moen. Until next time. Peace.